Hello, and thanks for listening to Behind the Brand, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of some of Australia's most exciting small business success stories. I'm your host, Jen LA, a serial entrepreneur who loves talking all things small business. Each week, I'll sit down with an incredible founder and ask them to share it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, on my mission to find out exactly what it takes to run a successful small business. From startups to scale-ups and international success stories, you'll hear it all right here on Behind the Brand. If you love what you're hearing and want more, find me on Instagram and TikTok at behindthebrand.podcast. Of course, sharing the good vibes is always appreciated. Share this episode on your stories or leave a podcast review. A little bit of love goes a long, long way. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy while I take you behind the brand. Everybody, happy Wednesday and welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Brand. Today I am sitting down with Vera Yan, one half of Australian activewear brand Nimble, which she co-founded with her childhood bestie Katia Santilli. Vera's path into entrepreneurship was not exactly linear, having studied commerce and taken on a law career in Sydney before taking a gamble on something she was truly passionate about and created a brand that reflected the lifestyle she was already living. In today's episode, we chat all things starting a business with a friend, the unglamorous startup grind of markets and pop-ups, and how having a baby and returning to work really shook Vera's confidence in herself as a business owner. I love this chat with Vera, so let's jump straight into it. Vera, thank you so much for joining me today on Behind the Brand. I'm so excited to chat to you. Thank you for having me, Jen. I'm very excited to be here, excited to chat about all things business, business with a baby. So let's get into it. Yeah. So Nimble, for people who don't know, is an activewear brand. But if you could give me your elevator pitch about who you are and what the brand's about, what would that be? Of course. So Nimble was born in Bondi, health and wellness epicentre of Australia Mm -hmm. in the summer of 2013-14. Fast forward to today, we've got three bricks and mortar stores. So in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, we've got an online presence as well as wholesale. And what we're known for, we're known for our sustainable active wear products that are actually comfortable and made for sweating and moving in and as well as our sense of community. So a really big focus for us also is on bringing women together through movement. When we move our bodies, we feel better, we think clearer, we're generally happier, healthier in life and that is a really big part of what Nimble is about as well. You're right, that is very quintessentially Bondi. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. And that's where we got inspired. Cardi and I, we were living on opposite sides of the globe, pursuing different careers. And we came back together in Sydney, in Bondi. And we connected again with each other through this love of movement, going to classes together. It was how we broke up our days. And that's really where the journey for the brand began. You actually just mentioned Katya, and we will talk about her and that kind of dynamic in a little bit, but that is your business partner who you founded Nimble with, correct? 
Correct. She's my high school best friend, housemate. We lived together for many years in the infancy of Nimble. And of course, she is my co-founder, co-CEO at Nimble. Basically your work wife. Correct. Work wife, social wife, real life wife. Yep. <laughs> All of Everything. the above. So yep. let's, let's talk about you though. So Nimble launched 2013, if I am correct. Tell me a bit about Vera in 2012. What was she up to? What was her life like? Yes. So Vera pre-Nimble was a very studious Chinese girl, studied hard at school, did commerce law at uni, went and did investment banking, then moved into a legal career. So very much pursued that traditional corporate career. So in 2012, I was working as a lawyer in Sydney, living in Paddington. It was that very, I guess, traditional corporate life. I'd moved Mm -hmm. up from Melbourne and was really setting myself up in, in Sydney. Where in Melbourne are you from? I grew up in Kew. and I went to MLC together down in Melbourne. Okay. I was going to say because that – okay, so private school into commerce, into law school, very traditional, very, I guess, like a very structured, sturdy, reliable career. Correct. Correct. It was something that my parents really understood. You go and study commerce and law and you become a lawyer or you work in finance. It was very, they could grasp their first generation migrants. I'm a first generation migrant from China. So it was that safe, steady career. They certainly, I still some days today, they don't understand quite what I do to this day. They Once we opened the retail stores, they did understand that a bit more. Oh, okay. you sell clothes in shops. But the whole online side of it, I think for them, it's still a little bit newer. How did you make that decision to go, you know what, I've got a super sturdy career. I've racked up this big hex debt, I'm sure. If you're anything like mm-hmm. me, I spent a billion years at uni and I've got this study debt yes. that, to pay off. You're working. You've got that typical lifestyle, like you said, Paddington, very kind of corporate glam. I'm sure you have mm-hmm. in that space. What made you think, do you know what would be such a good idea? I'm going to just give all of this away and start an activewear brand with my best mate. Naivety. In part, but look, coming back to it, we were connecting through movement, going to classes together, and it was initially born out of we couldn't find what we were looking for as consumers. We were, it was a sea of Lululemon Mm. at the time, and while for us, their quality and their fabrics, they are still, they are great quality and fabrics, there was something in the aesthetic that was lacking for us, something Mm. in terms of that being able to express ourselves, that fashion palette, but the feminine and elevated, that was missing for us. We then looked at there were your fashion players who certainly played into that aesthetic. But what was missing there was that the product wasn't actually made to genuinely move in. Even though it's marketed as being for active wear, when you actually sweated in it, all you could think about was how uncomfortable it was or how hot you were feeling. And then you had your big traditional sports players, your Nike and your Adidas. And whilst their products are made for performance, they're not actually designed for the female form. I believe that there was, going back to 10 years ago, they used to say you shrink it and pink it for women. And so 
there is an element it of it. yeah <laughs> and there is an element that you can't it doesn't work like that with the female body and the female form so it was really from this okay we w- what we're looking for as cu- consumers is the aesthetic the genuine performance because we want to sweat and work hard and have clothing that does that for us and that is crafted for women. So it was putting all of those pieces together and we just couldn't find that in the market. Yeah, when I look back and think about the activewear space kind of 10 years ago, I'm really thinking like Lorna Jane, Lululemon, and then like you're right, the Adidas, Nike kind of thing. Given that your background was in, I guess, law and corporate life, Mm -hmm. how did you even go about starting off an apparel brand. Where did you guys start with that? We found a pattern maker who actually makes the patterns of designs. She introduced us to a manufacturer. So it was all like one step at a time, getting out there, educating ourselves as much as we could, speaking to as many people as we could. And then the more conversations you have, the more doors Mm -hmm. that are opened. Just learning, being open to learning, being really honest about what you know and what you don't know and being okay with that and being okay to go and ask people for help and saying, oh, I don't understand this. Can you explain? Um, People are so willing to be part of that journey. Do you think given Katia's background with the fashion scene and then your history and the corporate side of things, did that really influence from day one who was going to be doing what in a brand? Because that can be hard. That can be quite tricky when you're First off, you're founding a brand with a friend, but also that division of responsibilities. Mm, uh, yeah, we, we've had this question a lot. We never really had too many issues. We really lent into our skills, our personality. Um, there were lots of things that we just both took on together because we both had to muddy our way through it and lean on each other. And then as things developed There were areas that she took on more, I took on more, and it just naturally went that way. We've also done a lot of work with communicating with each other. So as the years have gone on, if there's an area of the business, you know, I used to look after the wholesale area, but then it became apparent that that was better thing with her. So now that sits with her. Um, So we have those conversations. um, Mm -hmm. It's been quite interesting in the last 18 months, we've been doing a lot of work to get the two of us genuinely aligned and listening properly listening to each other and therefore leading together because we're best friends and we've known each other for so long we found that we would sometimes assume what the other person was saying Mm -hmm. without fully understanding and when you're both looking after distinct parts of the business and you're assuming what the other person is saying and not properly listening there can be some disconnect there. So over the last 18 months, we've actually been doing a lot of work where the two of us need to intrinsically know each other's areas as well. There is no my area, your area. Mm -hmm. And then also actually listening to each other, repeating back what the other person has said to make sure you've fully understood. Mm -hmm. I think maybe as a team grows as well, you guys need to be across, and we'll touch on the team in a bit, but you'd need to be across everything because it's not just you two anymore. It's you guys plus the teams. Correct. Um, so it, it has certainly been 
a journey and a learning process and one that I would say we're still on every every single day. Yeah, there's always something to learn. There's always a new challenge and a new hurdle. Absolutely. I think sometimes maybe there's something a little bit wrong with entrepreneurs. Like we really are like suckers for punishment. It's yes. Like I really am going to take the hardest route possible in my life and do this. I know. But let's go back a little bit. So you guys have started talking to pattern makers, getting your samples together. Mm-hmm. You've come up with kind of a minimum viable product, I would say. How many different sets did you start with? What did that launch look like for Nimble? Oof. Good question. I would say we launched with somewhere around 15 different SKUs, but I would say that would be across, you know, we would have had a few fabrics, a few key um, styles and then did different colorations. Was it challenging to start with so many? We didn't necessarily. We had a vision. We were going to execute on the vision and that's just what Mm -hmm. we did. Um, Was it challenging to sell it yes we hustled hard we tried absolutely everything and fundamentally it was about connecting and interacting with potential customers to see what they liked, what they didn't like so we did any sort of event or miss muddy like a tough mother type of event we were there driving there early in the morning we had um, plastic buckets stock we had Mm -hmm. rails and we would just hang it all up and you know for the whole day we might speak to three people um, but they're people giving us feedback interacting with us we popped up at different studios we had relationships with different studio instructors so we gave them stuff to try and give us their feedback so it was really like just getting um, nitty-gritty and getting really in amongst potential customers to chat to them get the brand name out there but also get that feedback I for people who've listened listen to the podcast ongoing now I used to have a food brand and that I would pop up at the Wonderlust mm. yoga festival and I'd pop up at different stores and I'd pop up at gym open days and all of that with my product to get in front of potential clients mm. it is such a hustle I mean you know you're storing your three by three meter tent in your garage yeah. and you're yeah. carting everything around in your car yes but it has to be done um, yeah. and I actually think that for us as well even at this stage it's something that we lost with COVID and everything that happened in real life connection. And Nimble is about bringing women together through movement. And so there is an element of that, you know, we're back doing our in-store events and all of that. Um, Cardia and I are doing hosting nights in-store with our top VIPs, connecting with customers. It's something that we're really focused on making sure we bring back into our rhythm of how we do things. But, But COVID really shot that all to shit and it's been a bit of a reconfiguration of our rhythm to Mm -hmm. do that again. Mm. So launching in 2013, I feel like Instagram for brands was really a bigger thing in 2014, 2015 Mm. probably versus 2013. Was social media a part of your launch strategy? Because were you just selling directly to customers or were you trying to sell to stores like wholesale? Uh, we were trying to sell direct to customers. That was Mm -hmm. the plan. And then it was then about once we got a little bit of traction trying to wholesale, but it was certainly all about going direct to customers initially. Mm -hmm. So we did use Instagram, 
word of mouth that was it really I mean look for the first few years we I wouldn't say we had a a business I remember Mm -hmm. his dad used to always look at our numbers and he would be like girls you don't have a business you've got a hobby you've got a hobby oh I've heard that so many times before yeah (laughs) it's it's a business I promise you it's an expensive hobby and a stressful hobby yeah hobbies are relaxing Yes. Yeah. It's not relaxing. It's you love it and you're fully passionate about it like a hobby, but you fully believe in in what you're doing and the purpose of why why you're doing it, not just for your personal satisfaction and enjoyment. And you just said, so you're selling direct to customers, I assume in an e-commerce capacity. Correct. And those early days. And that's what I guess now when brands are launching and especially post-COVID, we are going to touch on COVID. I've got a whole question about it too. Most people are going for e-commerce as their first kind of means of reaching their customers. But you guys now have three, as you mentioned, bricks and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. When did you take that step and what kind of made you want to do that? Because it is such a capital intensive kind of thing, opening a store, hiring staff, fitting the store out, all of that. Tell me a bit about growing to that stage. So we opened our Bondi Beach store in 2016 and we okay, were three years. Yeah, we were having breakfast with one of our mentors who said, girls, I think what you need is a physical retail presence. We were telling him about the commitment to quality and craft and fabric and engineering. And he said, you need a physical presence. Um, And at this point, he said, oh, well, why don't you pop at at the Bondi market? And we thought, oh, that's a great idea. But what about the weather and all of that? Then we walked past this site on Hall Street, which was the display apartment for the Pacific building. Um, It was for rent. And he said, oh, this would be perfect for you guys, but it's way too big. And, again, naivety crept in. We called the agent, we signed the lease, and, you know, off we went. So that was that journey. Um, It was humbling because we got the lease, we called some shop fitters, Um, a few of them came back to us and said, um, your job is not worth our overheads. That was the quote. So we had to be innovative. We had to go, okay, we've got no money no one will do this. We've signed a five-year lease or a three-year lease. What the fuck are we going to do? So we had to go and we we found some furniture makers in Sydney who are fantastic and they're brilliant and that's, you know, why our stores look different. They have a different feel about them. The timber and all of that doesn't feel like you're going into a traditional shop Mm -hmm. because we didn't go down that route and that's something that is actually that stayed with us, how we do our shelving and our racking and our, we call them our flat lay walls, um, mm-hmm. it stayed with us and we were forced to do that initially because we couldn't afford anything else. So so it's been an interesting journey, that one. Isn't that offensive when anyone that you're trying to go to for that next step, like whether it's a manufacturer saying, no, you're too small and all of that, it's very, it's humbling. It's humbling and kind of makes, it's almost like challenge accepted. I will yes. prove you wrong. Yes, absolutely. It was challenge accepted and we'll, we'll do this and it was just sheer determination. Where were you and Cartier at work-wise at this stage three years in? Because this is a lot to carry if you're still working full-time, especially in a corporate career. Where you, like you said, you're up till 10 o'clock working in the office. Yeah, so what happened was the year when we opened Bondi, 
I was still working part-time. So when we launched the business, it quickly became apparent that one of us needed to be there more Mm -hmm. and we made the decision that Cardi would be the one who would be there more because she was on the ground going to pattern makers, doing all of that, and then I would just lean in and assist around my work hours. So she pulled back from her role first. I then went time and I remember for the first year at least, we, Cardi and I worked the shop floor every Saturday. So I'd work my corporate job, we'd do nimble, and then we would work the shop floor every Saturday. And it was brilliant. It was the best way to get ahead of our and understand our customers. And then I would have stepped back from my role. And we both went full time at nimble, I would say towards the end of that 2016 period. Did you hit burnout in that period? Because that's a lot to juggle. Um, I think we were a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> you do have so much more. I'm not sure how old you are now, but I had so much more energy to do these things in my 20s than in my 30s. Yes, for sure. I mean, I'm 35 now and with a child and I feel, yeah, you just don't have the energy. We had the energy to just, you know, we up early doing our exercise, working all day, having a life and then up early again, you know, it's that early to rise, late to bed, Bondi, health and wellness, but still have fun kind of lifestyle and we fully bought into that. You're living the brand. Absolutely. So I just said before, I've got a whole question about COVID and Mm -hmm. here it is. Mm -hmm. So if listeners are anything like me, they would have spent the last two years pretty much wearing activewear Mm -hmm. flat out. It's been very rare that I've worn any pants with a zip for the last two years. Yeah. How did it affect you? I know you touched on the face-to-face, the events, Mm -hmm. that interaction with your customers, but how did it affect you for better and for worse as an activewear brand? Yeah, when it first hit, I mean, I remember we were trying to figure out how long we could survive on nothing. Um, We had no idea what was happening. We had to shut down all of our stores. I remember being on the phone, calling our suppliers up and down the chain and begging, um, which is a really, really just humbling, awful experience for us. It was about how do we protect our staff and not have to put them on stand down. We were really fortunate in that how the cookie crumbled, activewear, e-commerce, that's where people were gravitating towards. So the the pendulum swung, I guess, in our favour through that period. And I am, you know, I deeply feel for all the businesses that went into that stage and had to stay in that stage for years. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID was really disruptive. We learnt a lot. It certainly did introduce a lot of new people to the brand and it was a time where everyone pivoted so quickly, which was that was exciting. You know, we connected with people through online and Instagram live workouts and bringing people together that way was brilliant and people did it like so quickly. And there's some of that energy that I hope continues on and then look coming out of COVID and going into what I hope is now our new normal people are getting out there doing things experiencing things traveling so it certainly is a journey for us we've come off a few 
you know, really affected years with COVID. So for us now, it's trying to figure out, okay, well, what is the new normal? What do our customers want? What is it that people are looking for? So they're still certainly coming out of COVID, a bit of a re-establishment of, you know, what the landscape looks like. Did you have supply chain issues in getting your products made or anything like that? We did. We did face supply chain issues, delays, things like that. We're still facing that Mm. at the moment. I know that there's some issues with container ships and I think there's a lot of still uncertainty globally, electricity strikes, those kinds of things that we are, are facing. But I'm sure it's the same for any manufacturing business is going through constant challenge. I guess the thing, like if you look at COVID and all of that, everyone's like, we're back to, I use the word normal in like quotation marks, right? We're back to normal where people are going back to the offices and the footy and all kinds of things, gym classes. But in the back end of running a business, there's so many repercussions and so many flow on effects Mm -hmm. that affect small businesses that customers probably don't even see. No, (laughs) no. And, you know, I guess they don't need to because they should yeah. just care about what our product is going to do for them and why it makes them better. But, yeah, I hear you. There's so many, so much stuff that happens behind the scenes. Looking back over, I guess, so 2013, oh, God, this is testing my maths, nine years. Mm. Over the last nine years, is there anything you wish you guys had have done differently than the way you did it? Look, I'd say no because... It's all a journey. Looking back, I do wish that there had been some points at which we'd trusted our gut a little bit more and that I certainly, particularly after coming back from having a baby and mat leave, there were bits where I didn't trust myself and didn't make some decisions as quickly as I should have but that comes back to me sort of whereas there's nothing really in our business journey that sticks out Mm -hmm. I would certainly have opened the store I would have certainly gone online so so none of those things I guess Mm -hmm. and I know from us speaking earlier that talking about them going on to maternity leave Mm -hmm. having a baby getting back into the workforce constitutes that lowest low in the business journey Mm -hmm. so let's go straight into Mm -hmm. that when how where was the business at when you stepped out and went on to went into leave Mm. um so I don't want to scare you because I know you're about (laughs) you're, you're very shortly about to have a baby um so I had Arthur in January of 2021 so we were out of that big COVID lockdown but it was still that up and down yeah um so we were still in that you know COVID bubble I guess so I went on mat leave in the middle of January but still on emails and that kind of thing and then my husband was able to take paternity leave so I came back to work full-time at three months back in the office and all of that and I just think there were I'm so used to being somebody that does A and B and you get C as a result that having a child where you do A and B and you have no idea what you're going to get. And what you get today is totally different to what you're going to get tomorrow. That had a really deep impact on 
my view of myself and my capabilities. I always thought I do this, this and get that. And with Arthur, it was nothing like that. And so all of a sudden, everything that I'd known about me, my input and the output, it just, that whole world just became blurry. And that really impacted me, my self-belief. So I think that's why that was that I would say has been the the lowest low. And then we've reflected, my husband and I, we just did too much in that year. We decided when Arthur was three weeks old that our apartment was going to be too small because we have no family in Sydney, so they'd come and visit. It's too small. So at three weeks we put our apartment on the market and we bought a house that was largely unlivable and had to live through a renovation with like a a gas um a camping stove and outdoor sinks. It's just the compounding of everything that happened um, really knocked me for six. (laughs) That stresses me out. I've actually, so we've just moved into a house eight weeks ago at the time of recording, having a baby in, I guess, 11 weeks now. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, (laughs) even that feels like a lot running the two businesses, but I get it. And, you know, I've seen so many times And look, I can only talk about this from a corporate perspective because I don't have employees, but I've seen in the corporate world quite a few women come back from maternity leave and really have that struggle, like that struggle Mm -hmm. to back their own decisions and am I doing the right thing and that kind of crisis of confidence, which, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that, I guess I'll learn, I'll know in a few months, but if that comes from being out of your job or your business or if that comes from exactly like you said, everything you thought you knew about how processes work and how results work gets Mm. flipped on its head once you have a child. Mm. It's tough. It looks tough. I'm, (laughs) I will see. I'll talk to you in four months and I'll let you know my experience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the more that I've connected with women and talked about my experience, and heard other people have a similar experience, the more it's made me feel, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. This is just what happens. As women, the reality is we're the ones that give birth. We're the ones, if we choose to breastfeed, that breastfeed. We're the ones whose bodies have to recover. So Mm -hmm. my husband is incredibly supportive and he's brilliant. But at the end of the day, those sacrifices, there are only so many that your partner can make if you're the one that is bearing the child. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I don't let my husband forget about it at the moment. Yes. <laughs> you don't understand how sore my back is. Yes. <laughs> Katya have kids? Yes, she does. So she has Anya, who is six months older than Arthur, and they're just the sweetest little duo together. That is so adorable. But that must have been a big juggling act for both of you, having kids so close together and each of you needing to take parental leave. I also think it brought us closer together. Uh, we haven't had a disagreement since we both had kids because we both just understand. I think it's hard to understand unless you're in a position. You can try your best, but until you physically feel it, it's really difficult to understand. So the level of compassion we have for each other is is greater. And I also think because I came back to work so quickly, I wasn't able to fully get into mother's group or things like that. So those networks that do support you, that give you perspective. And having her there, it helped me normalise or share experiences and that side of things. So for us, yes, it was it was stressful that we both stepped out of the business at the same, at similar times and the businesses certainly felt the impacts, but it was also on a personal level so 
um, beneficial to have that support network. That's really good to hear because you could imagine maybe in some slightly strained business relationships, someone stepping out for a few months could cause, you know, the resentment and then you would have that, wouldn't have that commonality anymore, what's now mm-hmm. important to you. So it's mm-hmm. kind of that timing sounds like it worked out well. And I guess obviously a testament to your friendship. You've been friends mm-hmm. since high school. Yeah, it did, it did work out well. A lot of our school friends have had babies already and I'd be lying if I didn't say, look, Cardia fell pregnant. Um, my husband has always wanted to be a dad. He really was pushing for it and when Cardia fell pregnant, it was sort of like, okay, well, you know, why not us too? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me then about the highest high that you feel is that kind of pinnacle on your business journey so far. We're not going to say that's it forever. Yeah, the highest highs, I mean, we've had lots. I don't know if I have like one highest high, but it always comes back to all of our highest highs come back from doing events and connecting with people in real life. So sitting on a particular panel, that was a high because we could connect with people. Opening the store, that's a real high because we can connect with people. The VIP night Cardi and I ran two weeks ago. We literally emailed some of our top VIP customers and said, hey, we just want to have you guys in store. Tell us what we do well. Tell us what we can do better. And we came out of that buzzing. So like for me, highest highs it's like when did I come out of those things feeling super energized and at every one of them is when we're connecting with real people who are nimble customers or potential customers in real life I love that and I love now that I'm probably at almost 60 episodes and no one has ever given me a financial answer to that question Now, do you have a piece of advice that either you've been given or that you could share, given most of our listeners are early stage businesswomen, I would say, for the most part? Look, one of the things that I always come back to is you only regret the decisions you didn't make. Coming back from mat live as well, that is something that I need to draw on a bit more. But getting out there and get amongst your customers, you know, otherwise you've got your blinkers on, your opinion, those that you love around you, you know, that's only one view. Go out there and speak to people and get amongst it. And then also for us finding like mentors or others who can give us some perspective, Um, people that are going to be honest with you about your journey or that have done it before, it just really helps you put into perspective what it is you're doing, where you're going right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree. And mentors that aren't afraid to hurt your feelings. Correct. You don't want a yes person as a mentor. No, absolutely not. And it takes a while to figure that out because sometimes you're looking for validation, but really what you need is somebody that challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And now I don't even need to ask the next question because I already know the answer after what we've just all talked about. But if you could go back again and do it all over again, would you? Oh, 100% any day of the week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to know more about you and Nimble and everything you're up to, where can they find you on socials? Yes, of course. So Nimble is at Nimble Activewear um, is the handle on Instagram. I am at VYAN and the number eight. Um, I am personally not the best on socials. (laughs) That is something that I will work on. You're me either, don't worry. (laughs) No, right now it is just mostly my child and I did promise myself I would not become one of those women Um, and that's where I am. (laughs) You are. (laughs) 
<laughs> but certainly, you know, uh, follow us at Nimble Active where um, to find out, you know, what products we've got coming, what community events we've got going on. We're also doing a lot more on that channel about um, just talking to our products and talking to our customers how we use the products as a head office. We live and breathe the brand um, and it's just important for us to show our customers um, how the product comes to life. And can confirm, really great product. You are the first pair of tights, leggings, whatever people want to call them, that I've worn that aren't black. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) So there you go. There's a testimony from me. They're brown, but they're the first ones that aren't black. You've got the brown espresso leggings. Yes. Yes. And how do you find them? Love them. Nice and high, especially I'm quite bumpy at the moment. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice. Containing everything nicely. And, And yeah, it's very crazy for me not to be in black leggings. So... Thank well you done. for that. Maybe one day I'll go to a Navy and be outrageous. Maybe. Um, <laughs> one step at a time, you have to be comfortable and you have to feel good. That's it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing the story of Nimble. You guys, you've got such an incredible brand. It was so nice to hear all about the journey and how it worked out for you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Behind the Brand. Now, guys, if you loved today's episode, I would love if you would leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. And for your time, I will send you a copy of a press release template that you can use in your small business straight away. So all you need to do is pop onto the Apple Podcasts app, leave a written review, take a screenshot, head over to Instagram and DM it to me over at at behindthebrand.podcast and I will email you your press release template. Sound like a good deal? Talk soon. Thank you.